This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Uh, today we're going to speak about somebody, like I said, I don't think any of you heard of him. And I think it's one of the most, it's a fascinating, fascinating um, Perek in history of Kal Yisrael. The uh, first of all, where did I get my information from? This the 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 best contemporary place in terms of um, credibility and doing his work really well is a sefer called Meshiche Hasheke v'Misnagdehem. There's a fellow Rabbi Yaman Hamburger, very chashav a Talmud Chacham Yeki, who writes a lot of um, he, he he's does a lot of historical research, mostly about Yekshim and Hagim, and he has a uh, sefer called all about the different Meshich Sheker that came in Kali Yisrael and the history. And since this is connected to one of those histories, he really does a very, very good job in bringing um, the Makoras together and making it, uh, um, putting it together. Of the Sfarim that he took from that are reliable, in other words, um, old old historical works. We're talking about the early 1500s. There's something called Shalshelas Akabolo. It's a sefer written by Rabbi Dalyeb Yichi, and it's written about the same time, pretty much. And he basically is trying to present the the, the Messiah Sakal Yisrael. Um, there's something called Seder Chachomikaris Adiris, and then there are specific works. There's Igaris Archos Olam that brings letters. We have contemporary letters of different people that speak about the events and pretty much by cross-referencing it you get a story that is um, that is uh, it seems to be correct and cross-referenced and it's, it's an incredible story for two or three reasons and, and we'll see in um, in the early f- so let's let's get let's put the history in context in 1492 the Jews were expelled from Spain to stay in Spain, you have to convert and become a Christian, or you have to leave Spain. And the Anusim were the people who stayed and converted to Christianity on the surface, but remained or tried to remain Jews. In Portugal, it happened in 1496, and most of the Jews who decided who remained uh, from moved on to either Turkey, which had just been conquered by the Muslims, by the Ottoman Empire, or the Ottomans, wasn't, I don't know if it was Empire yet. Or they went to Israel, and we spoke about the Beis Yosef and others in Israel. In the early 1520s, somebody appeared in Israel. Um, this person um, looked different. He wore a very strange getup. He claimed he was from a Jewish kingdom of Aserus Ashvatim in a place called Chaber, the, the, the Midbar, the desert of Chaber. What Chaber exactly is, there are three places that, at least three places, answer that name. Um, it seems to have been taken from the description of where the Aserah Sashvatim went to, it's a Pasuk in Tanakh, that they, where they went to Golas in Malachim. Um, that Chaber is somewhere northeast of Iraq, kind of Kurdistan, n- near 
Kurdistan, Iran, that area, Central Asia. Um, that's one, and that seemed to be probably why he picked on it. There's also a Chaba or Chiber, which is in Mecca, near Mecca, in the Masla, in the in the Arab desert, and there's a desert there called Chaber. But he, that's what he said. He's from. His name is David. Um, his father's the king. Is, is the king Shlomo. He has a brother Yosef, who's the king there, and those Jews are sitting there very comfortably and looking to. They're not going to come back to Israel until ten miracles have been performed. Eight have been performed already. He's um, he's done already the ninth miracle that was, that was pulling a certain stone out of the castle that was blocking the gula. He did that. And he, what he needs now is a big army with a lot of guns and ammunition. He had heard that the Western people have these guns and these boats, and now he's out for that. He he patched it around at Israel, and I think a lot of uh, people sort of took to him. And then he decided he's going to the Pope, and he wanted to get from the Pope letters of recommendation to the kings of Portugal. Um, France, Germany, they should give him guns and munitions and stuff. So in 1524 he came to Italy, he came to Venice, and then he decided he's coming to Rome, and he, he seemed to have presence and seemed to have charisma, and the people in Rome took to him. Uh, one person especially was a big supporter of him, was Benvenidia Barbanel, she was a daughter-in-law of Rabbi Yitzhak Barbanel. Rabbi Yitzhak Barbanel was one of those who was, a, who was part of, who left Spain with the expulsion. And she was a big hanger-on. And he, he gained a following. And the Pope, he, gained, he got an audience by the Pope Clements VII. Um, you have to understand something. In those days, today we just Google David Ruveni. He called himself David of the Shevet Ruven, so David Horuveni. We Google it and we'd know already what he's wanted for what and when, you know, and so on. They didn't have that luxury. And a guy comes in, he looks very mysterious, he presented himself as the king of the Jewish kingdom, and he spoke to the Pope and he said that he has a great idea for the Pope. He said they both hate the Muslims and the Turks, the, the Ottomans, are really look like they're going to take over the world very soon. So he's come as an emissary of friendship to the, to the Christian brethren and all he needs is a few thousand cannons and guns and stuff like that from Portugal and France and other countries like that and the Pope should write that. They'll conquer the Muslims and the Jews will just take out Israel and the Christians can help themselves to everything else. That was his presentation. The Pope didn't quite know what to make of him and on the one hand he hadn't really heard of it before on the other hand you never know and he gave him a letter to the king of Portugal and um, the letter was first of all we now have the letter this is one of the things now that we have archives that we can go to the letter um, is basically very non-committal it says I heard from his translator this and this, they said this and this, he said this and this, and so on. Um, and then he writes, and despite the fact that the despicable Jews are our enemies, one never knows God's plans, it could be he wants us to smite our enemies with our enemies. 
In other words, maybe it's the Jews that will, that will the, the use in the world is to kill the Muslims. So he gave him these letters, very non-committal, that he should he can go with it to the king of, of to Portugal. The Portuguese emissary to um, to uh, to Italy to Rome was not thrilled to have him come to Portugal. They were very scared that there were still plenty of Jews who wished they could be Jewish, and they wouldn't. Um, and they don't, you know, and, and he didn't want anyone to, to rouse sleeping dogs. To have a Jewish king parade in and call himself a Mashiach of sorts um, was not good for the, for the former Jewish population of Portugal. So he kept him waiting for a year till the, the, he, he finally gave him a visa. This person called himself David Ruveni. By, we have, we know stuff about him. There's a book called Sefer David Haruveni, which is printed different places. It seems to have been um, written by David Haruveni himself. And it, it, somebody did an extremely careful work on it. Um, somebody called Ashkoli, a, a, um, a, 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 a academic uh, scholar and he what seems to be is anything that he writes about himself after he came to Rome seems to be hold true via via cross references in other words it, it more or less fits what we have from other sources the stuff that he writes about where he comes from contradicts itself in a dozen places and and it seems to be quite unreliable but the other stuff more or less seems to be reliable and that's what we know about him by his own admission and by other people's um, understanding, he was an Amaretz. He was a um, not a very, um, you know, his his own shmiras mitzvahs was wanting seriously wanting in many places. Um, it, it also there was somebody he was tevel a shifra goya to to marry one of his servants and. He, you know, he had a table, and then he cut her nails and hair. I guess he didn't. He forgot that you're supposed to do it before you go to the mikveh. And, you know, it seemed to be not quite a far from learned. But that was his personality. That was his character. It's, it's not going to be the one that we're interested in. But still, so we have here a person who, by all counts, is not a Talmud Chacham, not a tzaddik not even clear if he's just not an outright charlatan coming to portugal this was in about 1524 1525 um he comes to portugal after about i don't know a year of waiting for his visa the king greets him very suspiciously he tells everyone in portugal that um, all the Jews, the Jews got very excited in Spain and Portugal, and he tells them that the, he didn't come yet for the Geula, but right now it's very important, he needs, he needs a, a lot of uh, armaments, ammunition, guns, that seemed to be, that seemed to be the only thing he said, he's, he's mainly a military person, and just that's, he's looking for guns and stuff to chase out the, the Turks from Eretz Yisrael, and so on. One of the king had a secretary, the secretary's name was Diego Perez, Perez, 
and he was a, a, he was a second generation Murano. In other words, his father had been forcibly converted, or co had converted so to, not to be expelled, and he was brought up second generation. He still knew that he was Jewish. It, he was a man in his early 20s, and it did not appear that he have ever learned anything, just he knew he was Jewish, and I guess something in him emotionally was still tuned into the fact that he's Jewish. So he, um, he was very, very taken by this David Oveni. This was like his, the man of his dreams, uh, a Jewish king coming to bring him back. And he tried to get close to him, and David Oveni was not interested. He was very scared that if the king finds out that he's done cure of work, um, it's going to cost him his guns and his armaments and ammunition, and maybe it'll cost him his life also. So he told him, Bishamayfim, he shouldn't, he like, he begged, he begged David Ruveni to give him a bris mila, and he, he told David Ruveni that he had a very powerful dream that, and, it, and it, it will become a hallmark of this person's life, very strong dreams that seem to come true. And he told him he had this very, very powerful dream that he has to get a bris and so on, and David Ruveni basically chased away, he said, nowhere in the world. So he interpreted, and as he will during his entire life, that Dover Rainey was like a super tzaddik who didn't, um, who did not, um, was testing him, felt that he's too impure because he's an oral to even have a dream. So he went and did the next best thing, and he made himself a bris mila. And he writes, it was an intensely painful procedure. He bled terribly, but somehow he got healed a few days and then he started having very powerful dreams he told he came then he felt that now he would get this tremendous Kabbalah's upon him by double veiny he gave himself the bris and he called himself Shlomo Molcho N um, not clear where I got the name from you know why but he now called himself Shlomo Molcho he went excited to tell Dovro Raveni that he finally had a bris and he has a name. And poor Dovro Raveni almost fainted and told him, You're crazy. You've got to run away from here really quick. Um, I, the, um, and he had a dream that he needs to run away. And the truth was, if he would stay much longer, the King of Portugal would have killed him. I mean, the, the people make a mistake. The Inquisition was not against Jews. The Inquisition, the Jews were just expelled. The Inquisition was against Jewish converts that were secretly practicing Judaism. That was the, and he knew that his head would be online. It was, it's true that he was the king's uh, secretary, but it, 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 if anything, it made it worse. And he ran away. He um, ran off to Salonika. In, in, in Greece, and in Salonika he met one of the Gedoyle Adar. This, the person's name was the Marie Tetzak, um, a name that's not familiar today, unfortunately. Marie Tetzak was probably the Gedoyle Adar amongst the Sephardi Gedolim. He was a close Talmud and Chaver of the Beis Yosef. 
of the Maribe Rav, who was the basis of Rebbe, and almost all Svarish Chachamim um, sort of deferred to Marie Tetzak. Marie Tetzak was the God of the in the Svarish world. Um, the Chidah brings that as a Messiah that the choice of writing Shacharach was between three people the Beisaisiv, the Marie Tetzak, and the Marie Beirav. I remember once it said that all three had a name Yosef, but to mess with the Marie Beirav is Yaakov, so I'm not sure quite. But like upon Marie Tetzak, um, the Chidah brings, if Achsidim brings about his Hasmada and his Anhogas of Ketusha, incredible person, he went to learn by him. So here you have somebody in his 20s, second generation Christian, um, coming with almost no background, and they were astounded by the progress he made. He became a big Talmud Chacham and a big Mikubal. And the way contemporaries describe was like as if Shari Chacham had opened up. It was like he couldn't get enough. He, he eventually, we'll see at the end, there were halachas that they. <coughs> Paiskin relied on him. He wrote a sefer in Kabbalah called Sefer Hamafur, which we have. It's Kabbalah in Yanim. A little bit of easier sort of Kabbalah on, on different parishes and so on, drushes. Also, there's a, a book written, a, a book, booklet called Chayas Kino. I'm not sure if he wrote it or they wrote from him about the dreams that he had. And some of the stuff, some of his biographical stuff is from there. And he spent three, four years there. And he became a, a, a very big Talmud Chacham, somebody that was highly regarded. Um, and again, we know it from other contemporaries of, of the Dar. At this point, he decided to go to Eretz Yisrael. And at Yisrael, he went around um, to be more people for tshuva, that Mashiach is coming soon. Um, I think he still felt that David Ravain is the Mashiach, but he went around to rouse people to, to get ready for the Gula. Yerushalayim had a godel. The, the big Rav Yerushalayim was called the Maharl Bach, Rabbi Levi ben Chaviv. He was a son of the one who put together the Yaakov. And the Maharl Bach was, we have a Struvis. The Maharl Bach was what you would call today, I guess, in, his, in the political position that he occupied, he was the Haredi spoiler. Now, if anybody, anybody came up with a good idea of how to bring Mashiach, he was the one who shot it down real quick. Um, so, and he writes in his Maralbach, and he has a big tshuva, and I'll tell you in a second what the tshuva is about. He writes, I, I feel I have two schusim in my life. One is when the crackpots came and started spending stuff about Mashiach. I knocked him down, and if it, if it, and he was deathly scared. He's, he, he basically writes, he said, people would have gotten all heated and riled up. The Turks would have found out, and they would have killed everybody. He said, if it's not for me who spent so much time convincing people to, that it's not true, and there are a bunch of shaitim and mishagoyim, who knows, he said, everything would have become harv and Yisrael. That's one thing he writes that he, he takes credit for. This is, this is the second thing is even more fascinating thing, and maybe we'll speak about it at some point by Richus. The Rabbonim in um, Tzfas, we spoke about a little bit when we spoke about Beis wanted to reinstitute Smicha, the Kolgdei Olam, the Mary Beirav, and the Beis and 
Shlomo Kavitz, the whole, everybody. And he was the one that was misnagged to it. And he came out against it. And the, his last truva Kufam Zayinam al-Bach, is tons, reams and reams of, 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 of pages against it, with sharp Lashonos, crazy sharp Lashonos, and very, very sharp. I think that he also felt that it had messianic overtones to it. And he was very strongly felt that we're supposed to do the right things, bring it, and any activities, whether he meant it on a practical level, that he's afraid of the Turkish government, or on a deeper level, that maybe there is some sort of, um, you know, kind of kitrug, and 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 the Kates. Not sure which one, but at the end of a day, he fought both these things. And he writes tastefully two things. He doesn't write mefurish <coughs> that it was Shlomo Malcho, but he writes very much the psuras hashoytim. He calls it the fools psura. And he says, if I hadn't stepped in and convinced and argued with people and got them out of it, they would have. Who knows what would have happened? Um, so Shlomo Malcho at this point. Um, and there's also, there are some descriptions which are less than reliable, and I'll just say it over, because again, it's printed in different places, that one of them was Shomo Mocho captured the, the, the Sutton, and he looked like a snake, and he had him almost conquered, and then he ran away from him. I, I, you know, I, I take it with a lot of greatness of salt, but the point is, he certainly, there certainly seemed to be element of being Dershakates. He also, at this time, they asked him to put out um, his somebody asked him to put out his chedushim, and that's when Sefer Mefur he wrote out. This is it's a Sefer, it's a Kabbalah Sefer, Pshatim and Pirushim are different in Yanim and Psukim and so on. In 1529, he went to Rome, and somehow I don't know, Rome seemed to be the attraction of all these people, and he he came to he he said like Rome is the root of all evil. This is where he's going to have to. Um, have it out. He came to Rome and there was a bridge over the Tiber River. It, I guess it was close to where the Pope was and this is where all the wretches of Rome congregated. The, 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 the poor, the sick, the lepers and he dressed himself up as one of them and he spent a month there. It's very possible he was trying to be kind of Gemara about Moshiach sitting in Shari Reime like a Metzorah. Very, very possible that was what he had in mind. At the end of 30 days, or at the end of that period of time, he had an extraordinary dream, which he describes in Chayas Kina. The dream was two, two catastrophes, and he asks the Malach what, what they are, and he says in a year or, or two years, there'll be a huge flood in Rome, and a year later, there'll be an earthquake in Portugal. <coughs> At this point, he felt that he had what he needed to, um, to uh, present his credentials. He came to Rome. I don't know if he got into the Pope, but he sent a letter with these two predictions. Um, and lo and behold, the predictions came true. And it, it, there was a terrible flood. He was out of Rome at the time. Was that he, he, I think he went to Venice to, to, and he was saved from the flood and Rome was flooded. And also, um, 
he and a year after that there was he wrote a letter to King of Portugal that in a year from that earthquake and there was those two on record that he was right two for two um, he asked the Pope for letters to the German Emperor the Carlos uh, to Carl and to the French Emperor the French King the King the King of Germany King of France to supply him armaments the Pope wasn't in the mood for it um, he did go he it's, so he did get into trouble though um, he became he was very friends with a Chashev Talmud Rabbi Yaakov Montiano and this Talmud he was a Talmud he was a doctor he got into a fight with someone else Rabbi Yochalfen he tried to get in between the two and to make Shalom Rabbi Yaakov Montiano became very upset with him and he mastered him to the government and they, they, they judged him that he has to be burnt at the stake they burned him at the stake but he was alive because they burned someone else instead and he escaped the, um, he ended up going to Germany to King Karl and he um, and asked King Carl for armaments and stuff. King Carl was very, very suspicious, and he thought that he probably would take the armaments and use it against him. And instead, he imprisoned him, and he sent him off to Italy. This time to be burned for real. Um, in Italy, they, they, they. They were done him, and they sentenced him to die at the fire. He, um, they, they were very scared of him because they felt that he has magical powers. So what they did was they put, they taped his mouth shut. They put a bit in his mouth so they shouldn't be able to say any incantations. And right before they burned him, they offered him the opportunity. They loosened it. And they said, if you accept the Christian faith, you'll be saved. And he said, I waited so long to cast off this evil faith, and I would be glad to die for it. And he was burnt at stake. And the date, from the datings of, of, of the documents, it's clear that it was Hanukkah time. I've seen in a, quite a few places, hey, Tavis, is listed as his yard site. I don't know where the mucker is. In other words, I don't know where the first place. In the early documents, Haytave is not listed, but just by the Cheshmer of events, it Hanukkah seems to be the right one. That's mentioned you know, around Hanukkah time. But I'll upon him, Haytave seems to be listed in a whole bunch of places. A lot of times they just copy from each other. And so I don't know of that. We have, th we have so besides the, con besides the documents of people in his Tkufa, we have I have three interesting things that are left of him. One is halacha. The Morgan Avram in Hilchas Tzitzis Simin Yer Aleph Sifkot Lachav Beis. There's a question about how many spaces between the tzitzis are you supposed to have? How many between the knots? 
So he brings from the Taisis Yontif. Um, he brings a Lechem Hamudis, but I think the, original, the first marker is a Taisis Yontif, who says, it's not Taisis Yontif, it's Madani, uh, it's Madani Melech on, on, on Hilchus Tzitzis. He says, it's interesting, they burnt him at stake, they had some of his stuff that were in a museum in Prague. They, they had a kittle of his, and they had a tzitzis. So the Mong Avram brings the halacha, u'belechem chamudais simem ches kosav, shebetzitzis or b'shloim emalcho hoye ba'ave rishon yud kriches v'achakach hei, and so on. He had yud hei vav and hei, you know, ten, five, six, and five, that was what the, the that's how many twirls they had between each one. So Shlomo Malcho is brought Lalacha, it's quoted in a whole bunch of Paiskim, Sutta, and so on. A halacha we have from him. They obviously felt that he um, was worthy of a Maiserav, that what he did seemed to be appropriate. One. A second place that is given mention is Rab Chaim Vital, who was pretty much a contemporary. Rab Chaim Vital writes in Sharik Tusha. Sharik Tusha is is safer about practical uh, getting Ruach HaKodesh and so on. He writes very strongly against <coughs> Kabbalah Mises, against using Kabbalah in a, in, in, you know, uh, for practical reasons. And he says a few reasons why. He says, he says that since we don't have the Paraduma <coughs> We're not betara anymore, and therefore, toiv and ra, everything has tumma to it. The efshalasik toiv levadoi, you can never get real toiv, and it's always mixed up with toiv and ra together. Vezel soid inyan kabbalah meisis, and that's the problem kabbalah meisis. Velachain also lishtamish bob, you're not allowed to use it. You're going to have garbage mixed in with the good. You think that you're using this Kabbalah to retire yourself, but you, you, you make it filthy with, with the rod that's mixed in. It's like using a filthy bar of soap or a filthy sponge. Even if you get emes, it's mixed with sheker. Well, but Frati says there's no uh, there's no afer para. Lachain he says shayim nafshe yirchak mem. Anybody who's a shayim nafshe should stay away from kabbalah meisis. Kimulvatshe mitame. Besides the fact you're being mitame yourself, you're onish be gehenim, and and you, you go to gehenim. Ve'afgam boilam hazeh, and even olam hazeh kabbalah be'yadeinu. Um, that you'll either become poor or sick. The Kachrai says, I'll bring you proof. There was a famous Mekobal that tried to bring Mashiach and so on. They used Kabbalah and they, 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 they died. Um, and, and, and so on. And he says, another reason because they're Shriya. And a final place we have a mention of him, an incredible mention. The the there's the sefer Magid Mishorm we spoke about when we spoke about this Yosef. Magid Mishorm is a sefer Beis Yosef wrote 
that has all the giluyim that the Malach was Megala to him. So he says that Yochachma will spread out. They will mention you to Beisayisif in all Batik Nasir Badrashais. Vichol Ace Cheskerucha Beisamedrish Yala Reach Apricteris Busmin. Every time they mention Beisamedrish, there will be a Reach like Tyrus. Upukhazi Madvikis Olamai Tiske. Take a look what you're going to be misdabek and be zeicha. Lekatsha shmi berabim. You'll be zeicha to be mekadesh my name berabim. Kach shloima bechirai zaka the iskari malka. Just like Shlomo, the pure one, my favorite one, who was called Molcho, the smashich mimshach rabbi silo, that he had shemen mishchas elyon. Vesolik le Raval Mizbechi, and he was Eulah le Rotsam and Mizbeach, Vachinami Testalik Ata Tanuach. You too will die like that also. We don't, he, he didn't die that, like that, but he says that's one of the things that's very, very strange about it. But Akaponim, um, the Magid called um, Shlomo Malcho as is the, the one who was Eulah like a Eulah Mizbeach le Rotsam. Zikrel Pasha. We have somebody who clearly was a charlatan and and and, and at, at, at best or crackpot at worst, David Ruveni, and he comes to Portugal, and somebody who comes from no place, a second generation Christian, second generation Marano, is turned on by him. This person has powerful chalaymis. He, he in four years he becomes one of the chshuve Yisrael. I mean, he learned very good Lador, and and there are all sorts of letters. Um, there's a there's there's a Rav in Italy that I think his name is Rosario Badania. I think his name was Rosario Dina. He was in in Italy, Savinito, and he writes beautifully, um, in extremely a positive way. Rabbi Malcho, and he writes horrible things about Rabbi that he was a, for, a faker and a charlatan and a good for nothing, so on and so forth. So here you have somebody who was clearly an intellectual miley, coming and igniting a, spy, a, a spark by someone who was so far away from Yiddishkeit, who in a few incredible years became hush enough that he's quoted in Halacha, at least for one Maizirav, that he wrote Sfarim Kabbalah, that people were amazed at the Mayanus HaChachma, Yad Chaloimis that were Emes, and that that he's the the fault that they find with him is he tried to push things too far too quickly, and um, the Maggid calls him the Beisayisiv held him as to be you know and the and the the, the, the Maggid called him to said that he's Shloima Bechire Zaka the Iskari Malchu that he there was Oil Lerotzal Mizbechi so it's incredible it's an incredible piece of history. Um, what are we supposed to make of it? Like, how could somebody who was totally garbage bring out such a nitzitz of Kedusha? What was the tachlis of it? You know, somebody coming, rising up like a star, and he's, he was killed. It was a race static phase. It was in either 31 or 32, depending on the year and, and when it came out. So he was 1531, 1532. He lived probably, he was in his early 30s, late 20s or 30s when he died. I don't know. I, you know, this is one of the things that are Hadi Kafshach but it's an, it's an incredible piece.
of history. And his yard site is, uh, again, it's given Haytavis, but what's clear is it's definitely somewhere around Hanukkah time. So uh, it's, it's, one, it's one of those uh, things that s- someday we'll understand the Mafreya, what these things were, but Akaponim, it's, it's there. Okay. Yeah.